listening to the Wellington Hustle Interview Project, showcasing Wellington's entrepreneurs, sharing their experiences to inspire your entrepreneurial journey. Thank you for joining me. I'm Tim Morrison. All right, episode four. Today, I'm talking to Gillian Brooks, the founder of My Kids Village. Gillian describes herself as a social entrepreneur. She's also a human resources professional. At present, Gillian's passion project is to fix the disconnect between full-time working parents and the traditional nine to five workplace. My Kids Village is an online platform for parents to easily find local childcare options. Gillian fondly calls My Kids Village a sticky plaster that she's put in place while she educates New Zealand's companies on the benefits of a flexible working environment. Right, let's listen to the interview with Gillian. Gillian Brooks, that's me, yes. <laughs> Welcome to the Wellington Hustle Interview Project. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming no. to talk to me. Yeah, thank you. So how I start off these chats is yeah. just to get you to give yourself a intro, what you're up to and a bit of background. I'm Gillian, I'm originally from the UK. I've been in, living in New Zealand and Wellington since 2011, beginning of 2011. Um, both my kids have been born here in Wellington and they're now seven and four. My professional background is in human resources. I came up with My Kids Village in 2016. It was when it actually launched, but I was working on the idea, you know, sort of for a few months leading up to that, but actually it was quite a short run in time. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of like, right, let's do something. So um, yeah, that was when my Eldest was four, and my youngest um, was yeah, not quite, not quite one. I was back at work as well by that point, so I was pretty time poor, um, but motivated to just change. So, what was your vision when you first started um, My Kids Village? It was making parents' lives easier, particularly working parents. Yeah. There was this realization that there was this big disconnect between school life and work life. Those two systems were never designed to coexist. So what I was hearing from parents with kids a bit older than mine, when my eldest was four, was, oh, enjoy the last year of daycare because it's all about to get like really hard. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, it's already like a bit hard. What do you mean? And they were like, oh, well, yeah, you don't have the big daycare bills anymore, but the logistics are a nightmare. The school holidays just seem to come around all the time and you need to figure out after school care, maybe even breakfast clubs. It's just chaos. So have fun out there until she turns five. So I asked a few more parents what their experiences were and it was just echoing the same essential story. And that made me really quite frustrated and quite angry. I thought, well, why are we just letting parents and individual family unit solve this problem, which is so universal for so many Kiwi families? They're dealing with exactly the same challenge, and yet we treat it like it's a private problem. And that annoyed me. I thought, we're not going to overnight change the education or the employment system. That's the bigger game, by the way. <laughs> That's the end game. That's the end game. I'm... I'm an optimist, but I'm also realistic enough to know that that's a big that's a biggie. So in the meantime, my kids' village is a platform to at least at least show parents what the options are in their neighbourhood for that challenge to bridge that gap. There are free profiles for providers of those services, childcare and and the like, to 
have free access to an online profile that parents can discover through My Kids Village and just make things just that little bit easier. How, how does it look from like a parent who's signing? From a parent. So um, parents can sign up if they want to, but they don't yeah. have to. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm trying to reduce as many barriers mm. as possible, right? So a parent can just literally go to mykidsvillage.co.nz, click search, select the area they live in, and the type of provider that they need. So say the school holidays coming up, click holiday programs and poof, you know, there'll be some options that perhaps they hadn't seen before if they were to just put something in Google. One of the unique things about My Kids Village is it levels the playing field for providers. So because we don't charge any money um, for providers to have a really good quality profile with us, Providers that have got huge marketing budgets and can have high SEO scores and Google ads, they're really visible. The community-based not-for-profit providers of childcare, some don't even have any web presence whatsoever. They just, they're still leafleting around schools. So what we wanted to do was try and level out that playing field so that all of the options are just as visible. And sometimes there's a massive difference in the price of these programs Um, and it's really important that parents have some visibility of what what all of those things are. Yeah and they can pick and choose according to their budget as well. Yeah yeah exactly. So how does it look from the um, say like from the business's point of view? Yeah so no they so they have to sign up yeah create a profile they have their own they can go in any time and update that profile with, say, their new branding or their new opening hours. Or if it's a holiday program, that's obviously that's not a constant thing. So they might want to say, this is what's coming up in the program for this holiday, you know, and then refresh that in 10 weeks time. Um, so they have kind of autonomy over that. One of, one of the design principles for me was because I'm time poor was from the very, very beginning, I was like, I need to design myself out of the way of this product so that it can scale and solve the problem without me needing to administer lots of tasks all the time. So that's been really important too. How have you gone about that? So for example, when we were designing how the web platform would would work, Mm. one of the assumptions, the very early conversation that, um, that I had with the web developer was their assumption was that I would be phoning around all these providers saying, hey, sign up, I can do that for you kind of thing. Do you want to sign up? Send me your stuff. But I was like, no, 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 no. I've got my job, I've got my kids. I'm, you know, I'm already failing at keeping my house clean. I don't need more jobs. And I was like, you don't have to ring Facebook when you want to create a profile for them. So, you know, let's make the best of the technology. So I wanted to intervene as an exception rather than a rule. You know, so for example, if, if, a profile is just not appropriate or um, low quality, I can intervene then rather than as a default. So Sam's my partner yeah. with My Kids Village and she found me because you know she was coming to the end of her parental leave and her daughter needed some childcare and she found My Kids Village. She sent me this really awesome email and she had all these amazing ideas about how we could make the offer even better for the customer experience. We had this really long chat and I left with this massive long to-do list, but I don't actually have the skill set to do some of these things either. Sam's from a sales marketing background. She really gets this stuff in a way that I just don't. And so we really complement each other. So since she's joined, we've 
we've launched across the whole country, launched the blog, which is driving more traffic to the site and keeping parents coming back to us, which is really important, and hopefully providing some useful content in the meantime. How does the funding work? We've had amazing support from Nettle, who have been our kind of web provider. They, they've really supported us and understood that this is kind of a community project, mm. which is amazing. I funded out, you know, personally the initial build of the website. And then the ongoing operating costs we cover through um, a few providers that we charge for a premium profile yeah. and like a monthly fee. We've done some work with Playcenter um, supporting their, some of their big campaigns, their nationwide campaigns. So that's generated a little, little bit of income for us as well. We're not yet in the green. Is that something that you could get a grant for or something? Like that? yeah, that's what we're exploring now. How do you find the right funding channel for, yeah, for something like this? And that's that's a question we haven't mm. got the right answer to yet. But we're certainly a very timely one at the moment. One of the things we're we're really sure about though is that this this is a social enterprise. It's that its primary purpose is to solve the problem. What is a social enterprise? So essentially, social enterprise is a is a business that has a social goal as its core, not a profit motive. Is it similar to like a charity? Or is a charity yeah, okay. yeah. So a, a charity is mission driven, yeah. right? The reason I didn't set up a charity is because there's a whole heap of um, legislation <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of constraints and prescription and. Um, and actually, I wanted to just get going yep. and solve the problem. Yep. Any early setbacks that you had to deal with? Oh, loads, really. So I, I experiment a lot, right? Mm. So, and I'm an optimist. So when an experiment doesn't go the way of my way of my hypothesis, you know, it's kind of it's a bit disappointing when you know you kind of talk to either parents or providers about what you're doing, and they're like, oh yeah, and you just think, yeah, but this is really. <laughs> you know, when or you speak to a um, a provider that's perhaps got several branches around the country, and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, but you know, we're not we're not solving their problem mm. because they don't they've got waiting lists for people to come to their childcare centres or whatever, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. I suppose you just even though there's no cost to it, it's. Like there's no just, point in them even investing the time. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. They've got. The... Um, and so I think for me that made me just think. Well, okay, maybe I'm not going for 100% coverage here. If I can get to a tipping point where there are enough providers where this is becomes a really valuable hub for them to be more visible to their own market, you know, the market that they're looking for, um, then. People will just start to sign up anyway because mm. it becomes a default. I'm not at that tipping point yet, but it, but there are providers that do sign up that we have never contacted. So there's obviously something going on um, where people do hear about it, which is great when they do. And I think really Sam and I are motivated to um, give visibility to those providers that wouldn't otherwise have it. You know, that's that's the obvious thing to yeah. do. And the, the, one of the core problems I, I've learned that needs solving is the stuff that um, isn't routine stuff. So things like holiday programs, they're the hard, you know, that's the hardest thing to solve because it 
it's not constant. It doesn't become part of your day-to-day -day routine, like something like an after-school club might do, or your early years childcare centre, or you know, your, um, you know, if you use a pause care or something like that. That becomes once you've fixed it, it's kind of yeah. fixed for quite a long time. Forget yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard when you're in the middle of making the decision, and my kids' village we want to help people do that. But once it's done, it's done. Whereas holiday programmes um, and some of the kids' activity stuff. Um, that shifts and changes a lot. And then we just went through our first holiday with holiday programs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a logistical nightmare, yeah. isn't it? It was quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's either that or, uh, you know, stay home and be uh, entertaining yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Depends yeah. Depends on what, I guess I'm, I'm lucky I can kind of do that, but. You know, yeah, yeah. You've got to be sane sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I've noticed that my kids have got older, it is easier to just kind of, do things with them because they're not they're not going to trash the house and you know fall down the stairs and you know I don't know whatever else toddlers do that freak you out. Any uh, before we leave the setbacks, you got anything else in mind? So I think yeah, the setbacks are just kind of when something doesn't quite go as well as you were hoping, and you know there are loads of those. Yeah, yeah. Brings you down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you like you know you write a blog and you think oh I really like this one, and sometimes it's it gets loads of traction and another time it's like oh, well, like you, three people have read it or yeah. something and well maybe things slightly it's not that bad <laughs> but you know you kind of think oh i quite like that one and it's not really it's not really got any traction and it's quite hard sometimes to understand what is it people will really tune into you know and i'm yeah. still i'm st we're all you know sam and i are still learning about all that stuff and i think i'm learning to hold it a bit lighter you know not to kind of Take everything take personally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and I think the experiment mindset really helps. Yeah. Um, that is just, oh, that was an interesting lesson. Was there a time that you wanted to give up? I mean, yeah, I suppose so. But, but not for very long. You know, they're sort of like five-minute frustration. Damn, why is this so hard? Particularly when this isn't the only thing I'm doing. That's the biggest challenge. If I didn't need an income and I could just spend all my time doing this thing, that would be amazing. But actually, that's not my reality. <laughs> so just resetting my expectations and just being a bit kinder to myself. Yeah. And big one, don't say should. No. Try and ban the word should. I will. Yeah, yeah, either I will or I could or I could. what if. That kind of language is much more helpful than should because then I just feel bad about the things I'm not doing. Um, <laughs> and they just, they just add to the guilt and no parent with small children needs more guilt in their yeah. life. Are there any traps that you've fallen into? I think one thing I've got better at doing is asking for help mm. um, and finding people who will just talk something through with me even is so important. And I think some traps I've fallen into is kind of being a bit too heavy about it and being like, oh, I've started this thing, I've got to finish it. Being a bit overly dramatic probably and yeah, just sharing it with people who are who are interested. Obviously, yeah. this is this is my passion project. So, I think that's that's a trap I'm learning to get out of faster. I was talking to some um, friends and things about about what I've learned running a social enterprise, and it is I described it as this cycle of traction, slump, repeat. And um, the trick for me is learning how to get out the slump faster, so I can get back into traction again. And I've definitely got better at that. Because sometimes I go weeks and weeks where I'm like, oh, I'm not doing anything with it. It's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> What's your best de-slumber? 
Um, well, I'm an extrovert, so having a good old chat helps. Yeah. Um, That's right, you get out there, talk to someone, and then you get all excited again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, tuning back into my motivation for it in the first place. Finding one thing that's doable, I think, is really important. You know, like at the moment, I'm thinking, okay, what's the finance strategy to get the growth we need? And I'm like, oh, that's a big, heavy question. What can I actually do tomorrow that will be one little step towards that? What inspires and motivates you? Um, oh, that's a really big question. That's a great question. Um, it's wanting to make sure that the domestic role that women traditionally held is valued. And I think that's the core of this whole problem. We, the only way of solving this problem at a macro level, at a na national level, is by recognising the challenge that we're allowing every family to deal with on their own. And I think the route to doing that is by acknowledging that actually these systems weren't designed to fit. Now, predominantly, it's working mums who are left with the, the nightmare. <laughs> and um, that's the story I hear over and over and over again when I talk to parents who are in this situation. I don't want that to be the lived experience of my kids. I want it to have shifted dramatically by the time they are in a position where they might choose to start a family, that actually, you know, things are more equal, that gender doesn't, isn't the thing that determines your role and, you know, your economic potential, um, that things are more shared standard, you know, not just because, you know, I feel quite lucky, like my husband's an awesome feminist, which is really cool. And I, you know, I, I would love for everybody to have that kind of situation mm. that would be amazing so that's the thing that means that I when I have my overwhelmed moments or um moments of oh this is all a bit too hard what on earth did I start this for I just think no actually this is really important if I don't if I don't just keep trying I'll never know yeah. if I could have helped you know I'll be part of the conversation yeah 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 so what breakthrough are you particularly proud of Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I think there are two, really. The first one was when I first launched it. It was just, it was suddenly gone from an idea in my head to a thing. And that was so amazing. That was such an amazing experience, um, you know, to have actually created something. And within the first week, I had providers signing up. <laughs> I was like, oh, look, it's actually happening. Like, that was so exciting. Yeah. And then I think the, the second kind of breakthrough that building something like the, the partnership with Play Centre has just been so great because we've, you know, there's such an alignment there in, you know, what they're trying to do as a community-based um, early years education centre, centres across all throughout the country. And they totally recognise um, the challenge of today, which is different from when they were set up in, you know, kind of post-war time or during the during the Second World War, they were set up. And now, you know, the world is such a different place and they they totally get that. And um, so building those partnerships, um, I love doing that. That feels like we're actually building something. You yeah, know. yeah, it is. Yeah. It's kind of like, how do we make this part of a bigger conversation? And I think it's through those partnerships and um yeah, building a, a shared understanding of the problem 
we're trying to solve is so important. Yeah. Or what other organisations out there also have an interest in solving this problem too, and how can we build those partnerships together? Because, yeah. you know, I have no, you know, delusions of grandeur that <laughs> this is going to be, uh, you know, like solved by a single person or a single organisation or whatever. It has to be, um, you know, kind of a groundswell of mm. realisation that actually we do need to do things differently. So my kids' village is kind of almost like a, I'm not, I guess calling it a plaster is a bit of a... Uh, no, that's how I call it. Like a plaster, yeah, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I often describe it as a sticking plaster yeah. over the bigger problem. Mm. And I, I, you know, I would love my kids' village value proposition, once we've <laughs> solved the big problem, to be... When you're out with your kids during your flexible options in life, here are some things you could do, mm. you know, rather than solving this horrible negative based, you know, deficit based problem. I want it to shift gears, you know, ultimately into here are all your options to do with your kids um, in a much more positive context, yeah. you know, and we're not there yet, yeah. not by a long stretch. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I guess actually making that change to the country is quite a, uh, a big... Yeah, shift. yeah. How are you starting that? <laughs> oh, so, good question. So, um, this is, you know, I, I um, gave up my job a few months ago for exactly that reason. Because um, I'm now working with organisations to build or design and build flexible workplaces because that's part of the solution to this is... Um, how do we encourage more employers to recognise and acknowledge the value that they are losing by being too rigid in the way they expect people to engage with their delivery, you know, delivering their job, whatever that looks like. Um, we have, you know, because of where um, employment has come from, it's a very inputs-focused thing, like your value and your payment you know the transaction is based on hours hours kind of served for money yeah. and actually it's <laughs> that's part of that's part of the bigger problem too so what i i you know and I'm, i can't change the legislation overnight. <laughs> Try. That's, that's a global that's yeah. a global problem that yeah. we all need to solve because that's not a unique situation to new zealand by any stretch but what i can do is use my skills as an hr professional to support businesses and other organizations to be more flexible in yeah, how they engage with their workforce mm. yeah yeah exactly um and that's not just for parents by the way that's just for humans yeah because they have other stuff and yeah. other priorities in life other than work i guess ever so slowly it must be starting to move that way a bit because a lot oh a lot it of is yeah 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 and i think that's part of it right that's you know um when i talk to clients of mine in the flexible work stuff um, I, I say to them, look, standing still on this is actually moving backwards because your workforce, either the one you have now or the one you, you need um, next, their expectations have totally shifted mm. and they're continuing to shift quite quickly. Um, you know, you've got these massive um, high profile, like Perpetual Guardian, for example, with the four, four day working week. Um, that's going global. Um, it's being talked about so much. Like the, you know, there was um, just this week in the media about um, Microsoft Japan 
um, they trialled it for a month and they had 40% productivity increase mm -hmm. in that time. Like, that's an incredible story. Who isn't going to be interested in learning a bit more about how did that happen? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the conversation I, I'm having with my clients about. It's amazing, isn't it? It is amazing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that idea came from New Zealand, from Perpetual Guardian, and we're not doing anything with it. Um, and I would love it if we if we did. So. And what does um, the four days look like? Is that um, that the hours are down to four days worth? Or? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like oh, we'll we'll just shut up shop on Fridays. Yeah. Um, if anything, the way it's likely to go is that the business is operating in total for a longer period of time. It's just that instead of doing say forty hours um, as your contracted weekly hours, it's thirty two. Yeah. And. Um, and the idea is, is that to, to get that extra eight hours away from the workplace, you've got to find ways of delivering, you know, and being more productive. Mm. And actually, people really know their jobs well, in my experience. And mm. they can see the stuff that's getting in the way. And if you give them permission to rip, rip it out and design it in the way that they know will work better, they will do that for you. Yeah. They will do that work, if, especially if it means that they get a day off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the incentive. So it's brilliant. It's it's genius. It's absolutely genius. And yeah, and the results are stunning. And mm. um, not just in productivity, but reduce stress and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, it's 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 stuff that I kind of feel like okay, well this, it's like a pincer movement. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> if I can kind of, if I can build my kids' village as well as build more flexible working practice, then it starts to kind of it gives me a a cohesive story, I suppose. So what do you see as being your biggest lesson? Um, progress, not perfection. That's my biggest lesson, mm. I think. And I, I, anyone who knows me will probably laugh. They're like, yeah, she's not a perfectionist. And they're right, I'm not. Um, but I think that whole, just letting go of the big heaviness and just lighten up a bit and focus on what, what can I do mm. and what's the contribution I want to want to make and just just do something you know just get started yeah i think yeah. that's my biggest lesson um has the vision always been clear yeah how has it evolved <laughs> <laughs> um i think how it's evolved that's that's a good question um the vision for my kids village has always been constant i think what's evolved is thinking more widely and broadly about how I can contribute to the, that vision. So giving up my job, for example, so that I can focus on building flexible workplaces is really important. And where I would love to get to is that it's scaled up to the point where it's a known brand, a go-to place for parents and for childcare providers to find each other. And then use what I've learned on the way to advocate for bigger change. What would a legislative environment need to be to create this different context where parents aren't solving this on their own. If you were to start from scratch, mm. what would you do differently? I think I'd have not held it too tightly. You know, I think I was a bit too earnest in the early days and thinking, right, you've started this, so, you know, crack on, it's no one else's problem. And I've definitely got better at asking for help, like I say, and, I mean, finding Sam. That's been the biggest, the biggest difference um, for sure in terms of having someone to talk this stuff through with. It seems that um, successful <laughs> startups 
failed hair co-founders. Yeah, that's true, actually. And I think, would some I... Of the, some of the kick your ass, maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that, that was the thing, because it, it held me more accountable, you know, because mm. Sam would be like, okay, well, let's catch up every fortnight on the phone. And I was like, that's a good idea. Yeah. And then when a fortnight's been and gone and you think, oh, yeah. oh, no, I didn't do anything. That's rubbish. I can't say that. <laughs> so, yeah, it just kind of builds in a bit more motivation and support. For whoever is listening or reading, where would you like them to go to find out more about I you? I would or... love them to go to mykidsvillage.co.nz. Yeah and check out the website and tell people about it please please share it like like our facebook page all that good stuff and also if you're interested in how it all hangs together like the the mikey's village flexible working and you know the the bigger story i've got a website gillianbrooks.co.nz which is kind of more about what i'm up to yes do you have anybody in mind that maybe you could fit to be interviewed we spoken to Digby Scott. I haven't spoken to Digby. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you'd enjoy talking to him. So I've known Digby for years. He started Changemakers, and that has been like a massive, massive port in, particularly shifting from doing lots of disconnected things. One of which was My Kids Village, to actually feeling like, oh, there's an opportunity to join up some of these things, yeah. you know, and make a living at the same time. So um, yeah, the whole Changemakers thing that he's been building over the last just over two years and okay. um, I think there'd be some interesting stories there okay cool yeah awesome. I'm seeing him later actually I'll, I'll tell him that I've nom- he's nominated yeah uh, well, thank you very much for your time. Oh, pleasure very much yeah, appreciated. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed listening to Gillian as much as I did interviewing her it really is a truly incredible goal that Gillian has to try and change the way that uh, a country and their companies structure their working weeks and hours If you have any questions for Gillian or you'd just like to reach out and carry on with the conversation, then you'll find her contact information about her websites and LinkedIn over at the Wellington Hustle webpage. Thanks again, Gillian, for taking the time to be interviewed. It's very, very much appreciated. If you're interested in being interviewed for the project or you have somebody in mind that would be a great fit, then please, please, please send me an email on tim at timson.co or head to the Timson Co. website, click on the Wellington Hustle link from the menu and choose Join Wellington Hustle from the drop-down. Thanks so much again for listening, and until next time, keep on hustling.